All righty. Good morning, everybody. We'll go ahead and get started. Um, just want to welcome you to West Urban Church of Christ. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you're visiting, we appreciate you checking us out, and we're so thankful that you're here. And for everybody joining us online, um, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, this is attendance cards time. I, I don't have one with me, I don't think. Usually I've got one in my Bible, but not, not this morning. Um, go ahead and fill out your attendance card, and we'll, we'll send the young guys around here in a little bit to pick them up. Um, so Friday night we had a wonderful teacher's appreciation banquet. Um, I just want to thank Donnie Cook so much for putting that together and all the uh, wonderful ladies who helped out with cooking back in the kitchen. That was a fantastic dinner. Um, I ate way, way too much and it was a good, good time. Um, we had comedy show that was laced with some biblical truths. Um, for instance, I learned something I had never really given a ton of thought of or thought to before, which is, um, you know that whole story about Peter whenever he chops off a guy's ear? Um, that was not him just missing real bad, but you know, whenever you're dodging and then I learned that. Um, so kind of good to know for the future. Um, upcoming schedule. Also, before I get that, uh, there was an earring that was found over in the office complex building. Um, it is a really cool earring. Um, if you check your ears right now, if you're missing one, um, come and I'll hold on to this. Come and see me after service, and um, I'll get this back to you. But you have to describe it to me. Um, upcoming schedule, we have... Caring Kitchen tomorrow, so I, I believe it was scheduled for next week, but it's actually been flipped, and so please show up if you're part of the Caring Kitchen crew. It's going to be tomorrow evening, so show up tomorrow. Um, also, on Tuesday is going to be Ladies Bunko Night, but y'all already know about that. Um, next Sunday, the 7th, we're going to have an all-church movie night over in the Family Life Center, so that's next Sunday. Um, that'll be starting at 5 o'clock, and that'll be a real, real good time, so we encourage you to come to that. Um, tonight, we'll have our normal just chapel and singing classes at 5 p.m. as per usual. And then also for the youth group, um, we're going to go enjoy the beautiful weather. We're going to go play some, some frisbee golf, so meet up here at the uh, lighthouse at 5 o'clock, and we'll take off from there and be back by 7 p.m., and there is going to be food provided for that. Um, so if you'll stand with me, um, I'm going to read a verse, and then we'll kick off our worship assembly. This is in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Peter says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I will worship with
Good morning. Uh, just so you know, when it comes to announcements, you get what you pay for, and you don't pay me anything. So I'm going to do the best I can do. There's just a lot. There's several of them this morning. Uh, Arnold Abels has been moved to East Texas Hospice, room 103, as of this morning. Toby Kennedy is supposed to have a surgery today. I think it's gallbladder surgery sometime today. Michael Surrett, Charlotte Collier's nephew, has a very aggressive cancer tumor on his spine, and they're asking for our prayers. Also, many of you know Ellen Poindexter, who is Kenneth Kempton's mother. She passed away yesterday, and those services are pending. Uh, Jim Gibson's going to have an injection Thursday. Is that correct? And Loretha Britton. Loretha Britton. Is she's cancer. Salivary gland cancer, and she's asking for our prayers. So uh, let's go to God in prayer. Holy Father, today we come together to recognize you as our creator, as our comforter, and as our savior. We give honor and praise to you because of your great love for us. We thank you for Jesus, for the life he lived, and for the life that he gave as a sacrifice for our sins. We thank you for this church, for each family represented here. Father, many here are undergoing difficult times and health problems. We want to pray for Arnold Abels and the entire Abels family, for Toby Kennedy and that his surgery will be successful, for Michael Surrett and that there will be a solution for his cancer problem. Father, we pray for Jim Gibson with the injection he has coming up and Loretha Britton and her cancer treatment. Father, we pray for Diane Weathers' mother, Charlene Hubbard, as she undergoes cancer treatment. And we pray for the family of Elaine Poindexter. That, uh, Father, we pray that you'd give them specifically what each individual and family needs so that they will be at peace, feel your comfort, and be healed. Father, we confess to you that we are selfish and sinful. We do things that we should not do. We don't do things that we should do. Help us, Father, to do our best to have living our lives as Christ lived his. Help us to look to him as our example of how we should respond to circumstances that arise in our own lives. We pray that as we worship today that your words will press into our hearts and our minds, strengthening our faith, healing our spirit, and creating a positive attitude within each of us so that we can be encouraging to those around us. Give us the ability to recognize the temptations that Satan puts before us 
and strengthen us to resist them. Give us the wisdom we need to realize that we as individuals never have all the answers, but that you, as our God and Savior, have all the answers we need if we'll just listen to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bill will be speaking this morning to us about Lazarus being raised from the dead. We know that dying is just a part of life. We're born, we live, and we die, and that's by God's design. But perhaps from human nature, there are times that we might even ask ourselves the question of this song, does Jesus care? And I love the remarks that the songwriter gives us at the beginning of the chorus. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. Does Jesus care?
Normally I would have been up here a lot faster, but uh, I was in a deep conversation about how Revelation is supposed to be read with my 11-year-old, so sorry, David, he just asked. It was bad timing. I am the younger, less vascular version of Sean Stamps. If you don't know a vascular, just veiny. Sean's a very muscular guy. I don't have all that, but Sean wasn't able to be here this morning, so... A couple of weeks ago, we were uh, talking about communion and uh, the meal that's, that we're about to take this representation of, and I, I used a phrase um, talking about markers, markers in our life, specific events. And since then, uh, there has been another one take place in my life and in the lives of my children. Um, August 16th, 2022 is a day that will always live in my memory till My memory doesn't work anymore. Um, Some of you were with me on that day, uh, around probably 10.30 that night, because that was the night that my house caught fire. And uh, it's just as clear, it's like it happened yesterday. I was sitting in my living room, and uh, my dog was sitting on the floor with me, and he started kind of going bonkers. I didn't know why, and he went to the back door, and uh, he doesn't ever do that. And so I went to the back door with him and looked, and flames had gone up through the eaves of my house, in my house, uh, in the back of the garage, and were already spreading through the attic. So I panicked, as a normal person would, um, got my dog, the boys were not home at the moment, and uh, have a cat as well, uh, picked her up, and that's when smoke started filling the room. And so I was looking for, there's, there's two things, uh, when I sold insurance, I always told people, keep a hard drive with all the things you never want to lose within close grabbing distance of the exit of your home. Thankfully, I practiced what I preached, and I have that hard drive, and it was, it's all the, all the pictures of my children that are digital, which is most of them, given how old my kids are. Uh, tax documents, other important things like that. And so I have it sitting on a sofa table, just out. So I grabbed that, grabbed my laptop, and about that time the smoke detectors went off. Um, All in unison at the same time and piercingly loud. And so I was holding my cat in one arm and my dog just by the husk of his neck over here. When I did that, the cat freaked out, gripped me, and took off. And I didn't see her again. She was gone. Um, About 30 minutes later, the firefighters found her unresponsive under a bed uh, because at that point the smoke was 100% floor to ceiling. I couldn't see. I was choking. I was calling for her, but there's no way she was coming. So I left. When they found her, they performed cat CPR on her. There are pictures on my Facebook page, on Brownsboro uh, Fire Department's Facebook page. They put a seal over her mouth. A veterinarian here in Tyler was able to revive her, uh, so she's still with us, but I'm pretty sure she used eight and a half of her nine <laughs> on that one. I share all that to say it's significant because this week we moved back in. It's not the house that I care about. It's God's providence through all of that. Every need that I had was met. Different men from this church showed up that night to sit on a tailgate with me and just slack jaw because there's nothing any of us could do. Afterwards, um, 
different people took different things that needed to come out of the house that night. I had a lot of wild games, some deer and elk. It's been at the Monahan's house for the last eight and a half months, so I'm not sure how much is left. There have been a lot of threats made about getting eaten, so uh, I'm sure. And and Kelly also helped with uh, some other things in the home. But I could point to that moment and the time since and give you a testimony of different ways where I didn't see how God's hand could or would be present, and yet it has been so consistently throughout all of that. Certain events cause us to look back, and certain events cause us to look forward. And moving back in to that home that doesn't exactly resemble the one that was there before causes me to look forward. This is just one of those moments. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, Paul says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. When we participate in this meal, we look back. We look back at the cross, reminded of the sin that was committed that made that gift necessary. As we remember the cross, we have to face in this moment our own unworthiness and our need for what these emblems represent, our need for this sacrifice that had to be given for us. We have to acknowledge our imperfection, which is why we participate in this at all. And as we search our hearts and we take inventory of our lives We confess our sins and our failures before God. And yet we know that because of that gift, those sins and failures are not held against us. Psalms reminds us that we are washed whiter than snow because a perfect gift was given on our behalf. So as we take the bread, we remember the body of Christ that lived a mortal life that carried him so well throughout his time here on this earth, but that was given because it had to be for us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we acknowledge our sin. We acknowledge our imperfection. And we are doing our best to come before you after having examined ourselves, knowing that we are unworthy but so grateful that we have been invited to the table in spite of that. That there is a place for all of us because we are broken, not because we are perfect, but because we have been made right, because we have been adopted into your family through Jesus Christ. We are thankful for that gift that had to be given on our behalf. We are thankful in spite of the fact that he did not have to choose that, that he did for each of us. So we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
In those moments when we look back on on that night uh, about 10 o'clock I had pulled my truck out of the driveway so that the five fire trucks could get in and was sitting on my tailgate and um, they say when things like that happen you can only either laugh or cry those are your two options and I had done plenty of each but when the fire started uh, I called two people I called my mom and dad I'm just like hey just thought y'all would like to know my house is on fire. I don't know how to start that conversation, but that's how it went. And uh, I FaceTimed my mom so she could see it. The firefighter said, get out of the yard, and so I did. Um, and then the second phone call I made was to Wade Weathers. And uh, I just chose Wade because Wade has been a part of our uh, the We Connected class for a long time, and I've built a good relationship with him. And same kind of conversation, hey, Wade. Hey, Eric, I just uh, thought I'd let you know my house is on fire. And, you know, there's a few responses that you could make to that. Uh, one being, well, I don't know what you want me to do about it. Uh, Wade did not say that. But about 45 minutes later, um, Wade showed up from White House to Chandler, knowing he couldn't do anything about it. And he won't remember this, but I remember it uh, because I've, uh, my life has changed a lot in the last three-plus years. And we were sitting on the tailgate just kind of watching them finish put out the fire, and uh, I just kind of started laughing. And uh, he just we weren't talking. He said, what's so funny? And it was a moderate chuckle, you know. And I said, well, uh, I've had people say to me over the last few years, in some ways, you know, your life is like, life lately has been like Job. And I said, oh, no. If you've read that story and are familiar with it, God allowed Satan to take everything from Job. I still have and had so much. But in that moment, as my house is on fire, I thought, maybe like 6% Job? Just a little, little 6%. And so it was just a weird moment in my head. But even as we... we just sat there knowing there was nothing we could do. Those men surrounded me and prayed over me, even just over that moment. 
And as I look forward, that story that I now have to share is not about the fire itself, but about what's occurred in the span of that eight and a half months. How this church has has cared for my family, how God has put people and opportunities at just the right times to make sure that everything happened when it needed to happen. When we take the cup, often referred to as the cup of blessing, it is a reminder of God's blessing to us of of grace and mercy, that, that this blood represents those things of God's grace and mercy for us that are poured, literally poured out for us on our behalf. We realize as we, I hope we realize at least, that God is present with us in all moments, but even in this moment, as we take this meal and we specifically remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave on our behalf, and we acknowledge our gratitude for Jesus taking that place for us on the cross, and as we look ahead, what that should do in our hearts how that should motivate us. When we think about the hope we have in Jesus Christ, John said in 1 John 3, 3, everyone who puts their hope in him puts, their, puts himself as he, purifies himself as he is pure, as Jesus is pure. We are made pure because of the blood of Jesus. So not only do we remember the past but we, and we participate in the present, but we look forward to a future, not just of being reunited with those that we love but being united for the very first time with a creator who loves us more than we could ever imagine and so we take this meal as a reminder of being made pure not through anything we can accomplish on our own but through a savior who has done that on our behalf through his blood can you pray with me father god thank you lord and thank you jesus for that sacrifice. And as we take this cup, we remember that moment, that agonizing time on the cross where the very physical personification of our sins was laid bare in front of a multitude of people. And why it was necessary for this moment to happen. God, we are grateful for that sacrifice. We know we can never live up to it, and we are grateful that we do not have to try, that there will never be some marker that we attain. Lord, as we look forward, we know that this cup of grace and mercy poured out for us continues to be poured out day after day, that each day is new, that each opportunity is new. And so, God, we are grateful for this reminder. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. creation and Lord of my life, Lord of my life.
oftentimes when I think of how we give back to the church, I, it helps me to remember what it is that this church accomplishes because of what we do give back. One of the things that, that Tucker is doing with the, the youth group this summer is a first-time trip for this church. Um, there is a long-standing ministry in Houston called Impact. Some of you are familiar with it. It has actually grown. There is now an Impact in Temple and a church much like Impact in Tulsa called Contact. And these are places where kids who come from unchurched homes, who have nowhere to go during the summer except get in trouble, who oftentimes don't have two parents or even a parent at all during the day because that singular parent that's there is at work, it gives them a place to go. And not just to be present, but to be fed physically and spiritually, the same way that Jesus did to the multitudes. And so churches come in throughout the summer, and they call it camp. But you spend time with these kids, you encourage them, you love them, you teach them, and you show them what it looks like to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And opportunities like that are there for our kids. Oftentimes when we go on these kind of trips... We are changed more than the people who we go and feel like we are pouring into. It gives our heart a heart for others when we put ourselves in uncomfortable positions that we might not have been otherwise except for the cause of Christ. So when we give back to the church, we make opportunities like that possible. And thus we plant the seed for the future of the church in the generation that comes after us. When we give, we give to so many of the ministries of the church, and so I encourage you to give with a joyful and open heart. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we know that this, this gift that we give back was never ours to begin with, but rather yours that you just simply blessed us with. And so, God, we pray for those who are stewards of this money, that we, that we are grateful for their willingness to take that on themselves and that it goes to to spread your message, to spread your message of hope and love even to those already in this church, to encourage those who are here, to thank people for the investment that they place. Even Friday night, the investment in our in our children, in our adults, as we teach the message of hope and of salvation here at West Irwin. God, we are grateful and thankful for this church home and are thankful for this opportunity to pour back into it. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Let's sing Jesus Loves Me and invite our kids to come up for kids' time today. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I have two questions for you this morning. How many of you, maybe more than two, how many of you have ever been sad before? Okay, you've been sad before. What is something that made you sad? Do you remember? What, do you have one? You're going to think about it? Okay, getting disciplined by your parents. That is uh, certainly a sad experience for you. Your parents telling you not to do something. Boy, that is sad. Kristen, do you have one? Do you have one? You want to think about it? Okay. How about you? When someone's being mean to you, that's right. Let's do one more. Okay. When someone's not sharing, those are really good examples of things that might make us sad. Do you think Jesus was ever sad? You know, he actually was sad before. Jesus was sad about certain things. And during our sermon today, we're going to talk about one time when Jesus was so sad that he cried. In fact, the shortest verse in the Bible is where we're going to talk today. And it's two words, Jesus cried. Because he was very, very sad. Now, enough of that, Mr. Bill. How many of you have ever been happy? Okay, very good. Now, give me a few things that made you happy. What is it? Um, toys, okay, toys. How about somebody, you? What is it? You jump? I jump, okay, I jump. That's where you don't, you let something else jump for you, right? The trampoline. Okay, a trampoline park is I jump. Okay, yeah, that one's what, that Mr. Bill's uh, joints are sore enough without going there. How about you? Playing on the trampoline, that's good. Okay, playing with the T Rex dinosaurs, that's a good one. Okay, is that your. Your hamster, having your hamster nibble on you. I bet that is, makes you happy. Going to play at a playground, that's a good one. Okay, fun flips. Front flips, okay, front flips, that is fun. You know, those are especially fun when you're doing them off a diving board into the water. When you're playing with your friends, that's a good one. Let's do one more. Okay, playing with your baby brother on the trampoline. That is, I bet that is fun. Well, you know, Jesus was sad because one of his friends died. And he was very sad about that. 
But you know what? Jesus brought him back to life. And that made Jesus very, very happy. And so sometimes in our lives, there are things that happen that make us sad. But you know what? Jesus was sad too. So sad that he cried. But Jesus was also very happy. And there are things in our lives that happen that make us happy. And you know what? Whenever we're sad about something, I want you to remember this. Jesus knows how you feel. Because he was very, very sad one day. In fact, so sad that he cried. And I bet that's not the only time that Jesus cried. But we know that he cried then. And yet, at the same time, from that same day came something that made Jesus very, very happy. And that's when he brought his friend back to life. And so Jesus knows how we feel when we're sad. And he also knows how we feel when we're happy. Which do you like the best, sad or happy? Both, okay. (laughs) Happy, happy, happy. I'm kind of with you on the happy one. I like that one too. Okay, let's go back to our seats or to blast and sing about Jesus loving us one more time. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I'm going to ask that we all stand before our sermon this morning. We'll sing, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my that your Redeemer lives? I hope you can say yes to that because we just sang about it and that would be a little dishonest I guess if we uh, didn't believe it and we sang about it. 
But the great stories that we've been looking at over these last few weeks remind us that not only does our Redeemer live, our Redeemer has the power and authority to allow others and enable others to live even though they had died. John 11 is one of the places that we turn to for that story. John 11 demonstrates the compassion and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we've been talking about resurrections over the last few weeks, talking about the resurrections that Jesus actually performed, and not counting himself that we alluded to in John chapter 10, the good shepherd has the authority to lay down his life and to raise it back up again. Not counting that one, there are three times in Scripture when Jesus actually raised someone from the dead. And Luke chapter 7 is the only place that we read about one of those incidents. And it was when Jesus saw a funeral procession and it was a widow who had lost her only son. And he raised that uh, young man from the dead and brought him back to life, brought him back to his mother. Another example was when Jesus was uh, going along and there was a synagogue ruler, a man by the name of Jairus, whose daughter was very ill, and he went to Jesus and said, please come with me and heal my my daughter. And Jesus said, okay. And on the way, he healed another woman. On the way, he healed probably a lot of people and probably taught some people. But ultimately, they come and they meet the man on the way with Jesus and they say, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter has died. But Jesus tells him, don't worry, just believe. And they go on, and Jesus raises the daughter of that synagogue ruler from the dead. Well, there's another example of Jesus raising someone from the dead, and that example is in John chapter 11. And it displays in a great and powerful way the compassion, but also the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. You probably remember that story. Jesus was traveling and teaching with his disciples. It was towards the end of his ministry. He was going to be going. He'd been going towards Jerusalem, but he was still a ways off. And the last time he had been there, they tried to kill him. And so the disciples that were with him, they were a little nervous about this, but Jesus was going that direction. And then he gets word that one of his best friends is ill. And they go to Jesus and they send him that word and it it was a man by the name of Lazarus. And Lazarus had two sisters and their names were Mary and Martha. And Jesus was close to this whole family, all three of them. In fact, we read a few other stories in the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John about Jesus and Mary and Martha. And so Jesus is going along and um, and then Jesus tells his disciples... Our friend Lazarus is asleep. And they say, well, Lord, if he's asleep, he'll wake back up. We don't have to go there. In fact, they had said, we don't want you to go there. There are people there that are trying to kill you. But the town of Bethany where Martha and Mary and Lazarus lived was near Jerusalem. And so they didn't want Jesus to go there. And they certainly didn't want to go with him. But when Jesus was steadfast about that, They said, well, let's just go with them, and if we all die, then we all die. And then Jesus tells them very plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
But he adds something else. He says, and for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you might believe, which is, how, how do you understand that one? And so they go and they get near the, the town of Bethany and, and before Jesus gets to their house, he calls for them and, and Martha is the one that jumps up and runs out. And when she meets Jesus, she tells him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, the Father will do whatever you ask. And Jesus said, your, your, your brother will rise again. And she says, well, I know he'll rise again on the last day. But you can tell from reading in between the lines, that's really not what she was hoping for. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will never die. And the one who lives and believes in me will live even, even if they die. And so she said, one of the great confessions of Scripture, Martha said, I believe that you are the Son of God. And so she goes back and she gets her sister Mary, who hadn't come out. And I think it's because Mary was too angry. And she was too angry at Jesus. But Martha goes and she says, Jesus is there and and he's calling for you. And I think Jesus and Mary had a special connection. Remember Martha and Mary had invited, and Lazarus had invited Jesus over to their house. And Martha was busy with all the logistical preparation that needed to go on. And Mary was right there at Jesus' feet. And Jesus commended her for that. So Mary finally, when she hears from her sister that Jesus is calling for her, she gets up and she runs out to meet him as well. And when she gets to Jesus, she says the exact same thing that Martha had said. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I imagine that after Lazarus died, they had said that to each other. Oh, if only Jesus had been here, our brother would still be alive. And so Jesus says, where have you laid them? Where have you laid them? And they take him there. And and it says that Jesus was so overwhelmed with sorrow. And sadness and compassion. That it's in that context in John 11 verse 35 where it says the shortest verse in scripture, Jesus wept. Knowing everything that was about to happen, Jesus still wept. And so they take him to the tomb and and Jesus says, roll the stone away. And Martha, ever the practical, (laughs) logical left-brained one, Martha says, Lord, I, I don't think that's a good idea because it's been four days and I'm sure that it's, it, it's very smelly. I love the King James Version translation of that, by the way. He stinketh. I wanted Jesus to say, yes, he doth. But, roll the stone away anyway. And so they do. And Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out. And I've heard it said before, and I've said it before, it's a good thing he said Lazarus come out, or that could have been quite the parade that no one would have ever forgotten. But it was very specific. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, very much alive, with his body still carrying some of the grave clothes. And Jesus said, let him loose and let him go. John 11 demonstrates the compassion and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So a few things about that. 
for them and for us. First of all, it says in John 11, verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. He loved them. We think sometimes of Jesus as the Son of God and not, not having simple things of humanity like friendship. Like being so close to a friend that you can honestly say, I love you. Not in a romantic sense at all, but a, an even more powerful sense. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Mary and Lazarus. And so it, there's reason to believe that the people that were there when Jesus comes along, they ask each other, couldn't, couldn't he have kept this man from dying? He loved them so much. And I go back to the statement from Martha first and then Mary. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's found in two places, in verse 21 and in verse 32. First, Martha comes out and tells Jesus that exact statement. And then Mary later comes out and tells him the exact same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. True or not true? Probably true. They wouldn't have had to have gone through all of the things that they had just gone through. That loss, that hurt, that wonder. Where, where, where is Jesus? And the way they sent the word to him was, Lord, the one you love is sick. Everyone knew how Jesus felt about Lazarus and Martha and Mary. And it must have torn Jesus at his very soul to hear them say that, to know the pain and emotional hurt that they were going through. And then, of course, that verse, John 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. And the response was, look how much he loved them. Look how much he loved Lazarus. I appreciate Davey leading that song, Does Jesus Care? Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Does Jesus know? Yes, he does know. Does Jesus care? Yes, he does care. This story tells us that. Tells us that. So with all the things that we've gone through over the last several months, all the, the hurt that we've had, the losses that we've experienced, the ones who are the ones who will be joining that number soon, we ask ourselves, does Jesus care? And the answer is, he absolutely cares. Not only does he care, but he hurts and he weeps. But then, one of the great I am statements is in this chapter. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus told that to, to Martha. And then he displayed it as he called forth Lazarus from the grave. Jesus didn't just talk the talk as we say. He walked the walk. I am the resurrection and the life. Which caused people to wonder, well, okay, so why didn't he come here? So that Lazarus could still be alive. 
Well, what they didn't realize is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And so even though Lazarus was dead, Jesus called him back to life. Even though Lazarus had been dead for four days, Jesus called him back to life. How could he do that? Two reasons. He had the compassion and he had the power. I am the resurrection and the life. The Lord's compassion and power are still present for us today. The writer of Hebrews makes that clear. Jesus gave up so much to come and be human. And not just uh, partly human, all human. He was 100% human, 100% divine. Which means that he hurt and he suffered and he had pain and he experienced loss. And he cared. And he wept. And he still cares today and he still weeps today. Jesus loves us. This little kid's time song that we sang earlier, Jesus loves us. It's one of the things that we know from this story. Jesus loves us. And just as our shepherd Ken shared earlier in that prayer, we think about how Jesus lived his life and we're called to live it the same way. We're called to love each other and others the way Jesus loves us. Eric will never forget that night, I know. The boys will never forget these last few months either. But what is it that they will remember? They will remember how a church rallied around a family and helped them and cared for them and took care of them. And we've all experienced that as well. And we remember that and we understand that others need that still today. That same kind of love. Secondly, Jesus does not spare us from all suffering and loss. And that one's a hard one. If, Lord, if you had only been here, our brother would not have died. And yet he wasn't. Jesus doesn't spare us. From everything that goes on in this life that makes us sad. He doesn't spare us from all suffering and loss. But what he does is he goes through it with us. And he has proven and shown us the depth of his love. By going through the same things himself. And he didn't do that so that we would understand him. He did that so that we would know that he feels what we feel. He did that so that we would know that he cares and he loves. Number three, Jesus weeps for us. I know, I know, he doesn't weep for us in a physical way anymore. That's a, he's in a heavenly body. He's in that uh, spirit world that we, I can't explain. But I do know metaphorically, Jesus still weeps for us. There are things in this life that still make him sad. And what makes him sad are the things that make us sad. When we're sad, he's sad. And when we sin, he's sad. Especially when we sin. And Jesus weeps for us. And then lastly, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Not was... We don't say Jesus was the resurrection of life, and that's how he raised Lazarus, and that's how he raised that widow's son, and that's how he raised Jairus' daughter. 
It's true, but that's not the statement. It's not Jesus was the resurrection of, and the life, and it's not Jesus will be the resurrection of, and the life. It's not Jesus will be when he returns and he raises us all from the dead and we meet the Lord in the air and we're with the Lord forever. All, all of that's going to happen, but that's not the statement. The statement isn't looking at that moment. The statement is, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he is every bit as much the resurrection and the life today as he was in that first century graveyard with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. He still shows his compassion and his power because he is today the resurrection and the life. Whatever is taking your life away from you today... Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whatever is hurting you today, whatever is making you sad today, whatever is making you afraid today, whatever is killing you today, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he may not spare you from feeling all of those things, but you can know this for sure. He understands how you feel, and he feels it too, and he weeps. For you. And one day he will make it all better. That may not be today. That may not be this week. But one day he will make it all better. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. Because he lives. It is well with my soul. Because he lives. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. All fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Because I know he is the resurrection and the life. Then I know that life is worth the living. Because he lives. We can help you understand that better. Hold on to that tighter. Come as we stand and sing this great song. God sent his son.
closing prayer, we're going to sing the third verse of the song we just sang. Then we'll be dismissed in prayer. And then one thank you for this day, for everything you've given us. Father, we thank you for this place to come together um, to worship you without any worries of anybody coming in here and telling us that we can't. Um, Father, I thank you for sending your son down to earth to live a fully human life, fully tempted in every way that we are, um, fully human in every way that we are, but yet without sin. Father, I thank you so much um, for everything you've done in our lives, and I pray that as we go on, um, throughout the week, back to school, back in our regular day jobs, um, that we do the best that we can to live a life that is holy and pleasing to you. Father, I pray that you forgive us where we fall short of your perfect will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.